Hey, get your Bibles out and um, turn to 3 John. We are continuing the series on postcards from God. I wanted to take some time in the summer just to uh, cover whole books of the Bible. And I thought, what better place to start than in some of these smaller writings that uh, we could get covered. And so, uh, so we've been working through 2 John. We're now in 3 John. We'll finish that up, and then we'll be in the book of Jude. And there are just some things that never get taught in these books that... Uh, I thought would just be good and, and, and give us, you know, the whole counsel of God. Last week, uh, my wife and I were in Gainesville, Georgia. All of you know where Clay's at as a student ministries pastor there with Pastor Jensen Franklin. And uh, they had their great forward conference. And if you want to know more about that, you ought to be on Facebook. And <laughs> so anyway, um, but uh, we were away. Pastor Noah had the reins, and we appreciate, always get a good report whenever he shares, so we thank him and uh, appreciate all that he does to uh, keep the ship going forward when we slip out of town on vacation and for other reasons, and uh, it was just good to get away. We just heard a lot of great word and got filled up, and now we're back and in the saddle and want to pick up where we, where we left off, and so do you have Third John? Can you find that? Ought to be able to find it. Just go to the Revelation in the back of the book and Make a left turn, go two books back. You should be right around 3 John. Now, we've already talked a little bit on prosperity. In fact, several weeks, if you will recall, and we want to move on from that. But uh, I'm going to deal today with this interesting gentleman that I've just been reading and, and, and thinking about and meditating on. And if you read 3 John, you'll find here really three people that... The apostle mentions, uh, the first one he mentions at the beginning of the book by the name of Gaius, whom it is said that John loves. He loves him because he walks in truth. He loves the truth. He's obviously this person named Gaius, the bishop of either a number of churches or perhaps he's the pastor of a local church. Since it was addressed to him, we can pretty much safely assume he was a significant leader. And John greatly appreciates him. What's going on? So, uh, wouldn't that be cool to be Gaius and for all eternity have your affirmation written in the Holy Word? Wouldn't that be cool? Can you think thousands of years later, there's your name? That's cool. So Gaius, he's one of them. Then there's another guy at the end of the book, and uh, his name is Demetrius. Demetrius, it said, uh, has a good testimony. Again, he gets a lot of affirmation. Um, as I'm kind of getting the sense of it, it sounds as if he was sort of an aspiring leader, perhaps. He was someone that was becoming better known. He was stepping into his destiny, his, his uh, life of servanthood in this local body or this, this local church. And, and that's affirmed as well. So you have Gaius and you have Demetrius, and both of these guys are incredibly affirmed. Now, I'm going to keep going back to this and just, just think about this for a moment. Would it not be cool to, to have... Your name eternally recorded in the book as being a good guy. I can't think of any higher honor, can you? Here we are, thousands of years later, and we're still talking about Gaius and Demetrius. So, all of this is being affirmed, but there's this third person. This third person is named Diotrephes. 
Diotrephes, I, I was trying to think of a way that you could synopsize him quickly, and I decided it was this. He was a first-class troublemaker. That's about the best way I can synopsize who he was. And uh, I want to explore him today because, to be candid with you, I started thinking about it and that in every church you really have these three groups. Now, we can statistically debate, uh, you know, how many are in each group. You have the, the gayest group who are steadfast and loyal servants. They're walking in all the truth. They've proven themselves to the church and to the body, to their authority, that you can count on them. I mean, I mean, you have that group of people. Then you have the Demetrius group. They're the ones on the rise. God is beginning to put his hand on their life. They're wanting all that God has for them, and, and they're yielding, they're correctable, they're teachable, they're willing to have input into their life. But then, while there are those groups, there's always this other group. Now, I, I, I've been told, I don't know whether this is true or not, but I've been told that almost 70% of personality types in the world, and I would assume that would probably shift over to the church, 70% of the world has a, what, phlegmatic personality type, which means that they're usually very, very compliable, very teachable, uh, leadable. They, they, you know, they're, they're, they're you know, they're, they're not going to take mountains, but they'll be happy to join the army that does take a mountain. And, and, and they just have a really good disposition. That's probably 60 to 70%, I'm told, of the population, which leaves probably 30% of the population that's like me, that's kind of choleric and can just be aggravating. You know, that's, if you have a choleric personality, you, that people love you or they hate you. I've often said that I'm famous in some circles and I'm infamous in others. My wife mentioned at prayer time that we met people in the produce department, met uh, Priscilla Houston in the produce department, met another gentleman in the produce department in Publix. I felt good. I felt like I was famous in the produce department at Publix. Felt like I'd arrived. But the problem is when those type personalities get wrong-hearted or wrong-spirited, they become a problem, usually. Now, it doesn't mean they're the only ones that can have the problem, but I'm just saying that statistically, I just, I just wondered if that's how it works. Like two-thirds of, of people are, just, are, are really ready to get on with God, and you've got this third that needs to deal with some issues that may be going on in the inside. And so I've just titled the message today, and, and it's kind of an odd message. And I guess I didn't think about how I was going to preach odd messages on Sunday morning. Uh, but that's where we are, and so that's what we're going to get. And I, and I called it Recognizing the Diotrephes Disease. Recognizing the Diotrephes Disease. Now, let's read about him here in verse 9. There's only one chapter of Third John. It says this. John writes, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, who loves to have the preeminence among them, does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds which he does, pratting against us with malicious words, and not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. And then verse 11 is really, is really what I want to underscore in our hearing this morning. It says, Beloved, do not imitate what is evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil 
has not seen God. So let's talk a little bit about the disease that diatrophies carry. There are two things that I want to mention quickly up front that I want you to notice. And uh, I even put it in the title. Post it, will you, Jerry? Thank you. It says, whether a diatrophies ever sees their problem or not, it is important for those of us who want to stay on target spiritually that we recognize it. Now, I, I, this is just experience. Through my experience, I have found that, that diatrophies oftentimes don't even see it in themselves. I guess maybe that's what qualifies certain things as a deception. You know, a deception is when you, you live a lie long enough that you believe the lie. So the lie actually becomes your truth. Are you following me? That, that's really a deception. That's why people, when they're deceived, they act like, we say, how can, how can you not see it? Well, to them, it's their truth because they've lived that for so long. And, and the reason I put that up there is because there will be diatrophies in the life of the church. They, they will come along on occasion. And the important thing that you need to know is this, that diatrophies have, really has no influence unless we become gullible and naive. And so we have got to break the naive off of us. We've got to break the gullible off of us. You know, Christian people, this is what I found. Christian people are good people by and large. They love, they love people. They're usually hospitable. They have their hearts. Many, many people are full of mercy and, and long-suffering and patience. And they just open up their heart to anything and everything. And the problem is that, that while that are, those are all good attributes, if there's naiveness in all of that, you get taken. You get used. You get led along a path that can ultimately lead to your destruction. And so I want you to hear very clearly what my purpose is this morning. My purpose really is not to yank the tail of some one or two maybe that are here that have the disease that Diotrephes has. That's really not my purpose. My purpose is more to protect the other 99, 98% of you from those who would like to lead you down a path to destruction. So that, that's, that's more of a concern for me. I mean, you're always going to have people that are going to run off the cliff. I want to stop them, but sometimes you just got to let them run. My concern is those that I can stop or those that I can help or those that I can protect, I really want to go after that. So that's really my purpose. Then number two, the problem with the diatrophies is not that they have a demon. That, that could be fixed through deliverance. Come out of them. In Jesus' name. And they, you know, they don't have a demon, but rather they have allowed the disease of the flesh and carnality to rule their soul. Now, that's really, really important. Sometimes, you know, I grew up in, in the charismatic renewal, and I remember when everything was a devil. I mean, we saw a devil behind every bush and every rock. I mean, you know, we had, we had demons of everything, spirits of everything. There were, you know, and, 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 and you know, there were spirit. I, I could tell these jokes all day long. It's like, you know, somebody comes in for deliverance and they're trying to cast out the spirit of gluttony and it manifests. And the demon says, I will for a cookie. See, these are just some of the jokes I grew up. Spirit of gluttony, are you in there? What's your name? My name is McDonald's and Burger King's in here too. See, some of you aren't even getting this right now. So I, I'll just leave that right where it's at, right there. 
But the point I'm trying to make is, is that you don't have a spirit that you need delivered from. There's some flesh that needs to die. Literally, they're not full of a devil. They're full of themselves. I'll say that again. They're not full of the devil. They're full of themselves. They're full of their own importance. They're full of their own agenda. They're, they're full of, they're, they're just, they're it. All right. Now, Satan can use our carnality, no doubt about it. But the disease is cured not by going and getting deliverance. I want to share this with you. And probably this would just be a good side note that many, many people have come to multiple encounters with us. And I'm glad you do. And we teach it that it's like an onion. Things are being peeled off your life. But can I just share this with you? Some things aren't going to be cast out of your life. Some things are only going to happen when you go to the cross and you're crucified to the flesh. It comes through brokenness and yieldedness. That's how carnality is dealt with. Carnality isn't dealt with by getting a devil cast out. It's dealt with when you're crucified with Christ. Brokenness. Brokenness. So, Diotrephes comes along and apparently he's causing some problems. Now, the thing that's interesting as I thought about him is that he must have had a pretty good start in his Christian walk. His name tells me, in fact, I didn't know this until I was studying up on him a little bit, that his name actually was derived from the cult of Zeus. So apparently he had ties to a cult and apparently he was saved out of of this uh, error, this cultic, uh, uh, probably, again, a fertility cult of some kind. He He was saved out of all of this in order to now become someone of importance within the life of the church. Now think about this for just a minute. Here he was in some form of of, uh, despicable wayward living. He's dramatically saved out of that. And so now he has this dramatic testimony. He was, I mean, life-altering. And think about this. If, If he has this type of influence, he might have had that type of notoriety even in his wayward life, in his sinful life. But he has now this dramatic testimony. Who's to say that he wasn't, you know, he wasn't some celebrity or he wasn't some uh, important person within Greek culture. And here he is saved out of all of this and he gets baptized. And I suspect he was discipled some because it's obvious to me that he's made it into some form of visibility and influence in the life of the church. I suspect Diotrephes was either a leader or he was an aspiring leader. In other words, he, he started off right. Uh, People began to see his potential. They began to see the possibility. They began to see his giftings. They began to see what God uh, could do in his life. He was moving along the way. Uh, Obviously, John knew him. John knew him so well that he called him by name. Diotrephes. Diotrephes. But something happens. Unfortunately, it's a story that happens all too many times. Diotrephes. He gets a little, just a little, little time under his belt. He gets a little revelation. Sweet Jesus, he just becomes dangerous. You know, one of the things in our church today that we really need to look at, and I wish there was some way we could address it, is just because somebody's a celebrity or an an athletic superstar and they get saved doesn't mean they're ready to preach two weeks later. I'm glad, I'm glad that multimillionaires get saved. Our problem in the church is we get enamored 
with these dramatic testimonies. We get enamored with these amazing moments. And don't misunderstand. It was God that probably pulled Diotrephes out of where he was at. The problem was somewhere along the way, something happens inside of him. And, and the carnality part, the flesh part gets twisted and suddenly what was there in order to be a blessing and a help, to be an order, to expand the church, becomes the church's thorn in the flesh. Now, think, think about this for just a minute. This really isn't funny, but I kind of think it's funny. Have you ever had those things where it's really not funny, but it's kind of funny? Think about how your name for all eternity, diatrophies. This says, the Bible says that this, this word is forever established in the heavens. His name is forever established in the heavens as a thorn in the... How would you, how would you like that? How would you like, like? It's kind of like Alexander and Hymenaeus. Who Paul said did me much harm. And so they, they, get, they, get, they get forever enshrined in the word of God. For all eternity. I kind of get a kick out of this at several levels. Number one is I kind of like Paul and John because every now and then when you read them, they just, they just name names. I, I, you know, it's sometimes, I, and, and I don't, I, so far as I know, I don't know that I do that. And I, I don't think you should probably do that a lot because, because the pulpit has, has a place of decorum and I, and I think you need to be mighty careful. But I, I'll say at the same time, that there comes a moment, it's probably good to name names. I'll tell you, that could put the fear of God in someone right there. All right. There's two root issues moving in a diatrophies. Now, I'm going I'm to give you some symptoms, but I want to talk to you. These are the root issues. Now, again, I'm not picking it. Listen, we, we, we here at Legacy are really enjoying, and my wife and I have said this so many times, a season of incredible unity and peace, and it's just, it's, it's wonderful. I'm ride, riding that wave because I know there are always seasons in church life. But I'm riding that wave until it crests and it takes me into the beach and pushes me up over the sand dunes and with the turtles. I'm, good, I'm riding that thing for as long as I can ride it. Peace, peace in church life. Hallelujah. Now, now, let me just say this, that while that's good and, and, we, and we want that and, and we, we're going to try to maintain it, and that's the purpose of what I'm sharing this morning. My purpose isn't, I'm, I, well, there's probably seven or eight people out there, pastors correcting right now. You know, I don't know that I am, to be candid with you. I don't know that I am. But I am talking to however many are in our body or who will listen to this. I am trying to protect you so that, so that we all can ride that board. In just as far as it will take us because because fact of the matter is there's going to come a time in church life if you're doing the will of God and you're being obedient to God that you're going to pillage the domain of darkness and it's going to stir the enemy up and every now and then he's going to cause his head to arise and you're going to have to fight an enemy somewhere and sometimes what Satan cannot do externally what he does is he stirs up internally and so I just, I, I just, I'm hoping that it helps you. It's kind of an odd message, but I hope it helps you. Number one, two root issues. It says that a diatrophies at root needs to be seen, recognized, or exalted. It says here that he loves to have the preeminence among them. Preeminence. 
It literally means the love of being first or recognized. You can derive from that these concepts, ambitious, even competitive. Interesting. He needed to be ahead of anyone else. Now, again, I'm just meditating on this. Why, why, why are people like that? I think some of that's rooted in insecurity. Because if you aren't secure in who you are in Christ Jesus, and if you aren't confident that God's in control of all things, then what happens is, is that you feel like you've got to make it happen. And Diotrephes, I guess, is at this place where he just loves being first. Now, now God wants to exalt you. The Scripture's clear. God wants to lift people up. He wants to give you a place of influence. But here's the key. God wants you to be where He wants you to be, not where you want to be. So, Diotrephes was probably the self-promoter. He was in his own eyes. Now, you have to understand this. And if you've never run into this, just you'll just keep your ears open. You will before you spend, you know, if you spend any amount of time just in general church life, you'll find those who are self-promoters. He was in his own eyes. It. It, 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 it happens in preachers, too. It just, you know, after a while, you know, preachers, just, they just, they're self-promoting. Everything they do is just self-promoting, self-promoting. There's no sense of, of, of a deference, humility. There's no sense of... Of, of helping others. I mean, it, it, it can happen from the head to the tail. It happens oftentimes in congregational life when people begin to think that they're more spiritual than anyone else. They hear from God better than anyone else. We need to pray for pastor because pastor doesn't hear from God like I can hear from God. That's exactly what Diotrephes was doing. You understand, John had sent a letter to them, and Diotrephes, in all likelihood, ripped it up. John the Apostle sent word. Listen, John who walked with Jesus. Diotrephes said, who cares? I don't, I don't, I don't care if he spent three years with him or not. I hear, I hear better from him now that he's, you know, ascended into heaven. I mean, what, is, what does John know? I mean, they didn't even they didn't even hang tough at the cross. So what does what does John really know? I mean, he he may have walked with Jesus personally, but 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 I flow in the Spirit. You getting the picture? Incredible presumption, incredible presumption. Greatest amazement I have, and and like I said, I just I just I, we get to these verses and and. It comes up, but the greatest amazement is how little humility some people have about their own importance. Especially, I'll just say it, professional people. Now, now the ministry is professional. Some of you may be professional people. And, and you know me, I'm an equal opportunity offender. Now, so, so please don't take what I'm about to say wrong because at this point, if it touches you, it's not me finding you, it's the Holy Spirit finding you. But through the years, I've been amazed at how, let's say, just a, a medical doctor, just because they're an expert in medicine doesn't mean you're an expert in everything. Have a little humility. Just because you're a lawyer doesn't mean you're an expert in everything. Have a little humility. Just because you run, run a successful business doesn't mean you know how to run a church. Have a little humility. I mean, wouldn't it be amazing if I just kind of walked into your business or your, your professional thing and I just said, well, I think this is how you ought to run your medical profession. And you'd look at me, what do you know? You're, you're a preacher. Oh, that doesn't matter. 
I've seen every Matlock. I've seen every law and order. I, 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 I know how this works. You'd look at me and go, you're nuts. Or some doctor, you, I, I've, I've watched ER. Give me a scalpel. I've watched House. I'll, I'll even, I'll even, I'll even give you a, a prognosis on your problem, and I'll even be snarky as I do it. I know, I know CSI. Yeah, I know forensic science, baby. I, it, you know, it only takes about forty-five minutes to figure out a crime. You know that, don't you? And you'd look and say, "Really? Really? You, you'd think I was a fool." But is it not interesting that we get a few tapes under our belt, a few CDs under our belt, a few DVDs under our belt, we go to a conference or two, and we're an expert. An expert. One book in the hands of the immature or the carnal. And they can know more than a pastor who has 30 years of experience, untold hours of training. in the. Here's all I'm saying is this. I'm just saying it just appears to be a lack of humility. That's, that's just me. Now, I'm not saying it's you. Don't hear me. I, I'm not, I, I did, I had, actually, I really didn't have anyone in mind with this. But the Holy Spirit needs to protect you because diatrophies will get you in trouble. Number two, it says that the root issue also was the inability to honor or to come under authority. It says here that not only do they love the preeminence, but it says that he does not receive us. Interesting. The word receive, I believe I posted on the screen, it means he does not accept us. He refused to accept John as an authority. Actually makes sense. If you think about it, those two probably do run together because in Diotrephes' mind, because they know more and they hear from God better and they're under no authority except Jesus, because you know, whenever you hear someone say, what church do you go to or where are you connected? And they go, I, I'm a part of the body of Christ at large. You know, I just, I submit only to Jesus. And, and you know, I do too. But what that says to me is, is that Jesus can't use anybody else to get into your life. That's what that says. And so they don't understand. They, they aren't willing to accept Authority. They know direct authority. Is Jesus over us all? Can we say amen? amen? Jesus is over us all. That's called direct authority. But there's also in the Bible delegated authority, which is when he uses people in our lives. And uh, we've taught on that more times than I can count. I'm not going to go back over that. But Diotrephes is an island to his own opinions. And if there is authority around them, their input is only valid. Listen to this. Their input is only valid when it validates what they already think. In fact, some people believe here in verse 9 that John had sent a letter, I've already mentioned this, and Diotrephes had destroyed the letter. So he not only undermines himself with John's apostolic authority, but what he does is he begins to undermine the whole congregation. Because they're unable now to hear what John had wanted to communicate to the congregation. Now, again, we've spent much time through our processes here teaching and sowing concepts of loyalty and authority. And I believe it's been immeasurably important and, and good for us as a church because we have unity and uh, we have been strife-free. Now, 
The truth is, I live under those concepts too. A lot of people think when they get taught, all it is is some self-serving part of what pastors teach. And the answer to that is, no, pastors should live under that too. That's why I have told you that pastors need a pastor. Nobody gets away. Every, everybody needs a pastor. And uh, I used to avoid these topics because my heart was sensitized to it and I didn't want people to think it was self-serving. And I kept waiting for somebody to come to church with the white hat on and teach these concepts to the people because I didn't want the people to get the wrong impression. But after years of waiting for someone to come over the hill and no one ever did, I decided that, what the hey? I figure if I don't teach it, they're never going to hear it. And if they think it's self-serving, then they don't know me all that well. And they're probably going to form an opinion anyway. It doesn't matter what I say. So that's why I just go ahead and talk about these things. And, and I'm going to talk about this. I'll never forget. I was sitting, just to show you how it works even in a, in a pastor setting, I was sitting in a network meeting. And, you know, my pastor is Pastor Rod Aguilard. And, and he was sharing with us that he wanted us. He said at this meeting, he goes, we're going to start this new mission organization. We're going to call it Global Roar. I want you guys to support this. And that's what he said. Now, I've been, you have to understand, this has been years. We were trained under this stuff for years. So in my mind, I said, well, that's done. I just came back. I worked it out. It's done. Pastor Baird is, 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 is sending monies in order to help facilitate this missions organization. And uh, it's done. I went back to a following meeting, and they gave us the report. And the only church that did that was our church. Can I just share with you, even pastors do this. They say, well, i got to pray about that. What, what do you got to pray about? Reaching people? Come on. Come on. Well, you got to pray about foreign missions? I mean, you, 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 you don't have 10 bucks a month out of your church budget even? You're, you're just going to pray about it. See, that's our problem. That, that's the code word for our delegated authority when we want to say no. I'll pray about it. What? What? Come on. Come on. I've had people for years, they go, I'm going to pray about it. What? Serving? It's serving. This is serving. you got to pray about it? What scripture does it violate? There's no scripture it violates. And the people quote Acts 5.29. It is better to obey God rather than men. But do you understand that when that scripture was being uh, uh, pronounced, it was being pronounced on the basis that they were being told to no longer preach in the name of Jesus. And that at that moment, hey, if you ever hear me tell you to do something that's not scriptural, I give you permission to say no. You have every right to look at me and say no. No. Now, I understand that, you know, there may be issues of, of schedule and timing. I, I You know, I, nobody's a control freak around here. Believe me, I'm no control freak. I don't want your life. But I'm trying to sow a precept into you that there comes a moment that if you don't understand that God not only works directly, but He works under authority, you will miss out on a lot of blessing in your life. Pastors are some of the greatest violators of these precepts. And by the way, I'm the only one in the room that calls Pastor Rod, Pastor Rod. You say, why do you do that? It's because I, it's a way for me to honor Him. Just a way for me to honor Him. See, we don't teach these concepts anymore. Now, uh, we do, yeah. But I do it because we're losing. 
Honor is a blessing. Why has God blessed legacy? Why, why do they want to bring all their pastors here? Why are we, this coming February, going to have twice as many pastors come here? Why is that? Well, because we do some things that are precept-oriented. We honor. We obey. We do our best to cooperate. We keep a good spirit. And when these things happen, God blesses these things. So we need to respect and honor. We need to respect and honor our parents. We need to respect and the Bible says that husbands and wives are to respect and honor one another. Husbands honor their wives as the weaker vessel. I mean, wives are to honor their husbands. I mean, honor is one of these things that is supposed to be a value within the life of the church. But we don't teach it anymore. I'm going to, listen, parents, I'm going to just touch this lightly. Teach your kids to honor. If you don't teach them to honor now, especially those of you that have small kids, when they get older, I'll guarantee you that there's the disease gets in them. You need to begin to teach them right now so they, so they don't have to go the way of the transgressor. That is hard. I still call my pastor from years ago, Pastor Miles. He called the other day on the phone just checking on me. And when I heard his voice, I said, Pastor, how are you doing? And I know some would say, but he's not your pastor. I didn't say pastor because he was my pastor. I said pastor because it honored him. In fact, I looked at him one time and into his eyes I said, Sir, I know people call you bishop and this, but the highest honor I could ever give you is the word pastor. And he goes, it's the highest honor I could ever receive. And so I call him pastor. I go and when I, when I talk to Larry Stockstill, I call him Pastor Larry Stockstill. Pastor Larry. When I got to shake Jensen Franklin's hand, I call him Pastor Jensen. Do I have to do that? No. Does he need me to do that? Probably not. I need to do that. It isn't about, it isn't about, if, if you want to trip your way up to me and just call me Kevin, it isn't going to matter one flip to me. But, but the problem is, is it betrays whether or not you can respect and honor. And, and while it won't affect me one iota, it probably is affecting you greatly. So I don't need it. Don't mistake this. Don't, don't, don't think this is self-serving. We've done this for years. With our kids, too. Don't, don't teach your kids to go to school and bounce in and call their teacher by their first name. First time your kid goes into school and your teacher's name is Jane Q. Public and they go in and go, Hi, Jane! You think that's going to float in, your, in, a, in a classroom? Do you really? While well, she puts her skirt on the same way you do. Why do we teach them to call them Mrs. Public? Mr. Public. Why do we say that? Because we're teaching them honor. For years, we battled through this. For, I am on a horse right now. We battled this for years. This was previous years. It doesn't happen really too much anymore. People catch the culture. But we had everybody walking around calling, calling youth pastors names by first name. And that's what the kids would call them. And it's not about whether they need it or not. Listen, listen to me. It's about whether they recognize the anointing and respecting it that's on their life. If all you want is Kevin, you're not getting much. But if you want pastor, you could get a lot. Are you following me? I hope so. I hope it gets to be revelation. Again, you can call me Kevin. In fact, there'll probably be some smarty that'll come up and just say, Hi, Kevin. And I'll shake your hand and say, How you doing? And you'll walk away into your closed heaven. And I'll walk on into my open heaven. I'll just leave it at that, all right? I, I, I need to jump off that horse. 
Again, I don't need it. You do. You, you say, I don't see it. Well, then don't do it. If you don't see it, don't do it. Just go learn it the hard way. Oh, I feel so much better right now. I told you I wasn't going to ride a horse. All right. Those are the two root issues. Now, let me give you, I got to go through there super fast. Four symptoms, quick symptoms, and we're done. Number one, write these. How do you know if you have a disease? You look for the symptoms. How do you know if someone has a disease? You look for the symptoms. These are some symptomatic ways you can begin to detect it. Number one, he says here, a loose tongue. He uses this word, interesting word. He says, he, he, he says, I will call to mind his deeds pratting. Pratting, isn't that an interesting word? I never use the word pratting. Quit pratting. <laughs> People are pratting. I, have, I had no idea what pratting meant. Pratting apparently means talking nonsense, tattler, accuser, slanderer. That's pratter. Now listen to me. This is a great verse. Jesus said this, so I know it's true. He said, out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So if you want to know what's in someone's heart, you just have to listen to what they say after a while. It doesn't take long. That's why I said people can fake it about six months tops. But after about six months, what's in their heart will eventually come out of their mouth. And you can begin to hear things out of people's mouths. And, 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 and oftentimes people will say, well, I didn't mean that. It's not in my heart. Well, sure, it's in your heart or it wouldn't come out of your mouth. That's the Bible. Change the heart and the mouth will change. See? Amen. So apparently he's talking trash about John. Loose tongue. Number two, he had a sectarian attitude. Says that he does not receive the brethren. Diotrephes won't even listen to, will not accept those around him. It isn't just about John. It's not that he just won't hear from his authority. He ain't listening to anybody around him. Now, I'm just going to give you a caution here. When everyone in your life is saying one thing, but you think you are right, now, I'm not saying you aren't, but, but you might want to take just a second look. You could be on a cliff. No one else has anything to say to me. I am right. Everyone else is wrong. I'm the only one that can really see it. Well, I'm telling you, it's a symptom of the disease. Number three, it says that not only that, but he has a manipulating uh, personality. He said he, for the, he forbids those who wish to. Diotrephes was using his influence as a weapon to influence others in his, in his same thought patterns. Manipulating. Manipulation is a form of control. It's leveraging someone to your way of thinking against godly judgment. I'm not, hear me right now. You, you are free to do whatever you want to do. The only, really the only authority I have over anybody as a pastor is voluntary. I mean, if you don't want it, Believe me, <laughs> through the years, uh, there have been those who said, no, thank you. No, thank you. But this, is, but this is when you literally begin to leverage and force. He had that kind of a personality, manipulating personality. And then finally, number four, a vindictive spirit. It says here, he forbids those who wish to. And then he says, putting them out of the church. Now, I started to read that. And um, I started thinking about the times that people separate and, and leave the church. And, and, and I want to say this, that there are legitimate moments that we have to separate from people and even separate from relationships. Now, I'm talking, you know, friendships, those kinds of connections. There is a legitimate place in the church, Paul said it, 
to mark those. He said, mark those who cause division and strife among you. He just said, mark them. Now, now what that means is, is what it says. Mark them. Name names. Mark them. So he would do that. And obviously John did it on this occasion as well. Now listen to me. When that moment happens, that's, that's not the disease of Diotrephes. Diotrephes, the reason Diotrephes was called on the carpet was because he did not have the authority to run people off like that. Now you've got to understand, every now and then, a pastor's doing the church a favor. I've done this on occasion. I've went to people and say, I'm, re- I'm resigning as your pastor. And they'll look at me and they'll go, you're leaving? I said, no, I'm not leaving. <laughs> no, no, I'm not the one that's leaving. But I'm resigning as your pastor. That, that, that's being a good shepherd at times. That's not being Diotrephes. Diotrephes has no authority to do that. No authority to run people off. Pastor runs people off because it may be a wolf in sheep's clothing. You run a wolf off. And, and sometimes sheep don't understand that because all they see is sheep's clothing. And they say, why did pastor run off that sheep? Because it's only sheep's clothing. You don't know the wolf. You don't know. You don't know the talks in my office. You don't know the phone call. You don't, you don't know. You're just, you're just protected. So why did he do all this? I'm going to quit with this. Third, say amen. He's quitting with this. Hallelujah. Put up third John verse 11. It says this. Beloved, do not imitate what is evil. This, this, this isn't just an issue this is evil. He says, don't imitate what's evil, but what is good. He who does good is of God, but he who does evil has not seen God. These people, diatrophies, are successful because we fail. Listen, we fail all to see them operate. Now, it doesn't mean, listen to me again, it doesn't mean we live with a spirit of skepticism and that everybody, you know, you just have to receive skeptically all of the time. We want to be open-hearted. We want to love people. We want to receive people. I'm not talking about this happens in a day or two, but I am talking in, in, in the span of an appropriate amount of time when you can begin to evaluate these things. Once you spot it, you need to understand it and don't imitate it. Diatrophies are always on good behavior for a season. Always, always. But these moments, listen to me, this is, this is the, if you could write it down or however you do this, but I want you to get this in your mind and your spirit. Listen to me. The reason I believe diatrophies find their way into the life of a church is because those are the moments. They are your moments when you hear them and when you see them and when you interact with them. It is your moment to get a backbone for the church. Are you following me? It's all theory. Loyalty is theory until it's tested. Amen. You can stand and make loyalty a reality. Not a theory. You can embrace authority. It's no longer this theory. Everybody's under authority until they hear no. Diotrophies are successful because there's a climate for it. And what Satan, as I mentioned, cannot do through the attacks of the world, he destroys by working within. Now, I am so personally grateful that the majority, I'm telling you the vast majority, and I mean this with a, with a clear conscience, sincere as can be, that the majority of you already get this, and I get to preach this 
this morning, not because there's a problem, but because I just got to those verses. I'm glad for that. It's not like I had this sermon ready. They're going to be there. (laughs) Take that! Die, Diotrephes! No, 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 no. I can, this, with, 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 with absolute transparency, I can tell you that, that we've not had as good a days as we've had it. The culture and climate here at Legacy is as good as we have ever had it in all the years. But I simply preach it because we get to this place. But my point is this, that when diatrophies show up, and they, they will through church life, I'm going to preach till I'm 90, you know, plus years old. You know that, right? There's another 40 plus years. So there may be a diatrophies or two that show up. But this is why we preach these things when it's good. It's because they're not going to make our life miserable. They will be miserable in the house of God. You're following me now. They're following. So I guess I'm going to end it like this. Thank you for being a good people. Thank you for loving us. Thank you for respecting us. Thank you for receiving my wife. Because not everyone through the years has always done that. Thank you for receiving her and, and, and acknowledging her gift and her place alongside. I want you to know that when we signed over all of our assets, many I don't often say this, all of our assets are locked into this, which tells you we don't have many assets. I just, <laughs> but you understand it was hers too. And we appreciate that. We love you. And, every, and I can go down, I can look across this congregation, see the faces and go, I'm glad they're here. I'm glad they're here. I'm so glad they're here. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade you. I guarantee you, if I, if I could trade like the NBA, I'd still keep you. <laughs> they're not another tra- You couldn't give me. I'm, I'm not, I don't care if there were 10 times the people. I'm not joking when I say this. Someone came up and said, Pastor Baird, we want you to pastor this church, and it's got thousands of people. And I'm not joking when I say this. I'd say, no, thank you. Pastoring the church in my dreams right now. I mean that. I honestly mean that. So I thank you for that, because it wouldn't be that way if it weren't for you and weren't for your good spirit. So here's what I want to do. I want to bless you. And, and by the way, Laura, I'll say one more thing. I thank you for being good-spirited as a staff person. And thank Noah, Noah and Kelly. Couldn't ask. For two better people with right hearts that, that will go out of their way to really love us and serve us. Thank you. We'll mention what we're going to do in the worship department in the days ahead, but this is, this is another day, and we'll, we'll deal with that another day. But, but I thank you for that. Thank you for all the leaders, because uh, I know many of you, maybe all of you, have been tested in one form or fashion. I thank you that you stood Some of you stood through some pretty harrowing days. I thank you for that. I will never forget that for the rest of my life. Your names, your names may never make it into this book, but your names have made it into my book. And I will never forget you, Tracy, and I will never forget you. It's not, my book is nowhere near this book. I just want to make that clear. (laughs) Unless someone goes out of your pastor thinks he's like he's a Bible or something. Amen. Stand with me and we're going to pray and